and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Giselle Aguiar, and my hope is to show you how to have a personal relationship with our Savior, Jesus Christ, and that salvation is through Christ alone by the free gift of God's grace. Friends, we are living in the last days, and Jesus is coming back soon. You need to be ready. And the only way to do that is to listen to the Word of God and invite Him into your heart. I pray that as you hear this message, it will encourage you to read the Bible for yourself. Seek the truth. Ask God to open your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what His Spirit is trying to tell you. The episode will begin after a short message. Understand the importance of atonement, why Jesus had to die. What is atonement? What does it mean to atone for your sins? Look at the word atone. Let's break it up. At one. Ah, at one. With what? Or whom? At one with God. Well, here's the dictionary definition of atonement. It is a noun. And it means reparation for a wrong or injury. But a sample, she wanted to make atonement for her husband's behavior. In religious context, reparation or expiation for sin, an annual ceremony of confession and atonement for sin, and then the atonement, Christian theology, the reconciliation of God and humankind through Jesus Christ. And the origin of it early 16th century, denoting unity and reconciliation, especially between God and man, from at one plus meant, influenced by medieval Latin ad unamentum, or unity, and earlier one meant, from an obsolete verb one, to unite. So um, Hebrews chapter 2, uh, verse 17, kind of explains it. And I picked out three different Bible versions of it so you can, you can understand this really clearly. The first one is the NIV, which is the, the New International Version. I think that's what it is. Um, and it reads, quote, For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human, in every way, in order that he might become merciful and faith and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Okay, now this is the New King James Version, um, which the New King James is, well, the, the King James is the, the, real, the first English version of the Bible translated from the Latin Vulgate. And if you search my blog, you can, um, I, do, I did a historical piece on that. Uh, but the New King James kind of ma makes it, puts it in our modern English, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Um, and you'll see what I mean here. So here's Hebrews 2.17 in the New King James Version. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. Okay, now here it is in the New Living Translation or the NLT, which is 
my personal favorite. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. So one of the, um, the Bible studies in the free YouVersion Bible app, Bible app comes, it's called Grow Your Vocabulary from uh, the organization Time of Grace. And there's links in my blog to all of those. But here's a quote from that on, uh, about the word atonement. Here's a word that for once doesn't come from Hebrew, Greek, or Latin. In fact, its roots are from English itself. It is the grave dilemma of the human race that our terminally sinful condition is inherited by our children. Their little bodies bear the curse even before they learn to speak. All humanity by birth is at odds with God. It is the great work of Christ to make us at one instead. Get it? At one? He allowed himself to be forsaken by his father on the cross so that he might bring us back together. This great atonement embraces the greatness of all paradoxes. Christ died to make us alive. So who doesn't believe in atonement? Well, I'm reading a book called The Kneeling Christian by an unknown Christian written around the 1930s. It's a basic guide on prayer for Christians, and I highly recommend it. It's available free as an ebook on Hoopla through your public library. An interesting quote caught my eye. Um, and this is, a, this is a quote of, a, of um, the gentleman is not named but labeled an infidel judge who was influenced by D.L. Moody, who lived between 1837 and 1899. And I quote, Finally, I fell on my knees and asked God to forgive me my sins. But I would not say for Jesus' sake, for I was Unitarian. And I did not believe in the atonement. In an agony of mind, I kept praying, Oh God, forgive me my sins. But no answer came. At last, in desperation, I cried, Oh God, for Christ's sake, forgive my sins. Then I found peace at once. So the Unitarian Church stemmed from the Congregationalist who stemmed from the Reformed Church. Seems like they reformed themselves right out of believing one of the truths of Christianity, the atonement of the sins through Jesus Christ. And, and I recently did an article uh, tracing back how all the Protestant churches just kind of stemmed from um, from one into another. And it's, it's really interesting. And, um, it's just, it amazes me how, how we got from the church in Acts 2 to what we have today. It's sad to think that there are many people who call themselves Christian, thought they had it right, but they are in hell wondering what went wrong. The thing is that they probably will never know. Why? Because hell is the furthest away from God that you can possibly get. Jesus told us in Matthew 7, 22 to 23, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, 
You prophesied in your, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name to perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. John wrote in 1 John 2, verses 1 through 3, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. Not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. Now, the Catholic Pope seems to take verse 2 literally. Yes, Jesus came to take away the sins of the world, but each person has to acknowledge that for themselves. Until you call on Jesus to forgive your sins like that Unitarian judge did, you're headed for hell. That's your destination when you die or you are left behind in the rapture, whichever comes first. Being with God. So the whole concept of atonement comes from the book of Exodus, where God is instructing Moses on how to build the Ark of the Covenant. A quote from Exodus 25, verses 17 through 22. The make the ark's cover, the place of atonement, from pure gold. It must be 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. Then make two cherubim from hammered gold and place them on the two ends of the atonement cover. Mold the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover, making it all one piece of gold. The cherubim will face each other and look down on the atonement cover. With their wings spread above, they will protect it. Place inside the ark the stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, which I will give to you. Those are the Ten Commandments. Then put the atonement cover on top of the ark. I will meet you there and talk to you from above the atonement cover between the gold cherubim that hover over the ark of the covenant. From there, I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. In Leviticus 23, God then gives Moses instructions on celebrating the Day of Atonement, known by the Jews as Yom Kippur, every year. Leviticus 23, 28. Do no work during that entire day because it is the Day of Atonement. When offerings of purification are made for you, making you right with the Lord your God. Now they had to do this every year and many Orthodox Jews still do. What they don't get is that Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, was the sacrificial lamb who died taking all our sins away once and for all time. Jesus and only Jesus is the atonement for our sins so we could be made right with the Lord your God. We are made one with God. And we'll get into more detail on exactly what that means when we cover Jesus' prayer for his believers tomorrow. For now, think about it. Yesterday, I asked you to consider Paul's command to examine yourself. Is your faith genuine? Are you one with God? And it's between you and God. No church, ritual, or priest has to help you get there. If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way, nonstop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind at the rapture, this is what you have to do. Invite Jesus into your heart. If you don't know what to say, there's a, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and you can 
dig more into what does it mean to be born again and the Holy Spirit and salvation and left behind and the rapture and all that stuff. I have links to all that stuff so you can dig deeper. Um, and there's also how to invite Jesus into your heart because that's what you have to do. It's, it's really simple. The church just complicates it more, but it's really, really just simple. Invite Jesus into your heart wholeheartedly. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my Father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish, but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.